2: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm NCIA's Deputy Director of Communications. Today, my guest is Alfonso Tucky Blunt, Jr. He's the owner of both Proud Papa's Clothing and Blunts & More Dispensary, a fifth-generation Oakland native that opened the first dispensary under Oakland's Cannabis Social Equity Program. and Moore opened its doors on November 24th, 2018, and is proudly driven by the vibrant, hardworking local community and striving to make cannabis accessible to all of their consumers in a safe and comfortable environment. Welcome to the show today, Tucky.
3: Thank you for having me. It's an honor. This is dope. <laughs>
2: awesome. Well, let's get to know a little bit more about you for our listeners. Uh, let's start with, you know, your background and experience and, you know, what you wanted to be when you were growing up and all that fun <laughs> stuff. what you do before you got into what you're doing now?
3: So as crazy as this may sound, cannabis has been in my life since birth. I've been around cannabis since I came out of the womb. <laughs> um, yeah, my earliest memories of cannabis was about three to four years old in that era um but did i see myself doing this no 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 no. um as a kid i wanted to be an architect and that was my focus up until about a 10th grade and then it shifted to to cannabis um but i also detail cars a lot of people know me for doing that i um i clean cars very well i put it like that and i would always combine the two the cleaning of the cars and the selling of the weed That's awesome. I could, I could use a little <laughs>
2: detailing myself in, in, in my little Subaru.
3: Hey, Hey. Awesome. Well, yeah. That was pretty much it. Like born and raised in Oakland. Um, as you said, fifth generation and, um, graduated high school in Oakland, junior high school in Oakland, elementary school in Oakland, et cetera. Oh, wow. Um, and now I sell weed the same zip code that I got arrested for selling it in. So mm. yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. So,
2: yeah, speaking of that, um, so your reason for being in the cannabis industry and the movement, I mean, in your case, how and why you got involved was it was part of your culture. You were immersed in it from day one. But as far as making this, you know, in 2018, that was what, three, four years ago. Yes. um, How did all that happen?
3: So prior to 2017 um we'll go back a little bit to i was 19 1999 i heard about my first dispensary from my grandma um she came out with weed on 19th the telegraph in oakland i said what's that she said that's weed i said you bought that out of a store she said yes i said i want one didn't know nothing about it but when started immersing myself in the community worked at several clubs started growing weed in 2002 um sold a lot of weed that i grew two clubs and I never saw Black owners there. I never saw anybody Black other than security or um, the bud tenders. And that bothered me. I always approached selling cannabis as a business. So I was like, well, man, how? Why I don't see any Black owners. So I always tried to be an owner. Um, it didn't happen. Um, 2008, I went to Oaksterdam because I felt that could help me maybe get a chance at ownership. Try it again, graduated from Oaksterdam, tried to get a club. Didn't happen. 2017, I got a phone call from Mike Marshall who was the voice of the song I got five on it and he said Tucky you ever caught a case for weed um you ever caught a case for weed at Oakland and I was like yeah um I caught a weed case in 2005 one of the guys I was buying cannabis from uh told the police on me and um it was my first case i had never been involved the police caught my case bailed out kept on selling weed and I was like yeah I caught my case you know what they need from me he was like they just need you to fill a qualification for something called the Oakland Equity Program um mm-hmm. I went and met with those two people after I, you know, looked up what the Oakland Equity program was. Um at that time that he called me, I was a certified detail trainer for Tesla. I was teaching people how to detail Teslas. Um applied for the license in December, won the license in January of 18, opened the store in November of 18. That's literally how fast that happened. Wow.
2: Yes, that does sound like, you know, once once you started moving, it got from zero to 60 there.
3: Correct. Literally. It, 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 and it, it was kind of full circle for me because I've been selling weed in Oakland, like I said, since 1996 and had become a street store, you know what I mean? So to be able to have a legal store in the same zip code I grew up in is pretty amazing to say the least.
2: Right. Right. So you've got the brick and mortar storefront Mm -hmm. now. Um, Mm -hmm. You're fully regulated, licensed, um, you know, a lot more paperwork, I'm guessing. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. But, you know, you don't have the fear of going to jail or at least as greatly as you did prior to that you know even the legal regulated licensed cannabis industry still has that inkling of fear uh, about some kind of federal intervention uh you know raids still can happen but the idea being if you're crossing your t's dotting your i's being compliant then you'll be left alone is that how it feels
3: that's how it feels we just have more fear from other things but as far as me being able to sell cannabis legally in Oakland I do feel comfortable in that sense you know I or what's the asterisk federal but from my legal law legal state perspective yes I'm 100% comfortable selling cannabis legally in my city
2: oh <sighs> what a relief <laughs>
3: yes yes
2: so yeah let's talk more about present day and uh your your storefront in and moore in oakland um you've been operating for about three years if i'm doing my mm-hmm. math correctly uh yes. what's how's it going what's that like what's the scene like in oakland running your store
3: so for me it's great it's amazing it's like um the the, the adjectives i could use could be you know an abundance but it's super super impactful what we're doing for the community i appreciate all the love appreciate all the support we have uh the numbers are pretty good um with me and my day-to-day i'm more so like the face of the brand doing interviews um trying to work on and just branching out doing things that i used to do when i was young so i'm real good with talking to people so i'm just moving around trying to build the brand build the name up so i can one day open a store somewhere else but Aside from all the good things that's going on, it's been kind of hard um, to be totally honest with you. California cannabis um, is kind of being ran into the ground by the overtaxation and the underprotection with regards to um, security and also with us not having banking. So, all the highs that I'm having they're being kind of like outweighed by the lows because of just the over taxation that we're dealing with in the space. Like if I go another three years, the way I'm going now, I will have to close business. And not because I'm not bringing in money, but because I'm pushing out so much money on stuff that has nothing to do with selling cannabis, if that makes sense.
2: Right, right. The The old adage that the cannabis industry is frustrated that we're being regulated so much more heavily than other industries like radioactive plutonium
3: (laughs) yes it's 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 it's, i get what they think they're doing they're trying to you know eliminate or eradicate the street market but if that's your goal that's not this is not how to do that and Mm -hmm. that should never be your goal because the streets not going anywhere but being that the people that are in charge have never been for lack of better words on the streets they don't know You know what i mean so it's like we've been trying this this way for six years we've been trying this since the prop 215 days it's okay to say you know what we messed up let's try something different because Mm -hmm. again for me to be the first social equity this uh retail facility anywhere in the world to say i'm ready to close and move if it continues like this after three years that's not a good look you Mm -hmm. know what i mean but they're forcing us out of business with the way they're running california cannabis and it's sad it's it's actually criminal if i want to be if i want to be frank it's criminal what they're doing to us in california
2: mhm mhm let's take our first commercial break and then after the break let's let's jump into uh, a deeper dive there uh, talking about operating in in california so stay tuned everyone we'll be right back ncia's cannabis industry voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors all right we're back on ncia's cannabis industry voice on cannabis radio talking with tucky jr here of blunts and more so let's start by talking about social equity in the u.s and specifically in your state california which hey it's a big state you know people say it feels like it's three or four different states all combined into one because northern california the bay area is very different culturally, mm-hmm. economically, um, socially from Southern California, like LA and San Diego. So, what has your experience been in California, in the cannabis industry, getting involved as a social equity business owner?
3: it has been uh an experience um first first off we got our license in 2018 january 31st there was no grants there was no funding there was nothing for us um they had a technical assistant program but the technical assistant people were regular attorneys they weren't cannabis attorneys so they hadn't really they didn't really know anything either so we was given a billion dollar license with maybe two dollars worth of knowledge um, so it's been it's been a challenge. I've learned everything on hmm. the clock. Um I've learned, you know, by just I mean, I'm very observant. I've worked for Alameda County 13, 14 years. I type 90 words a minute. I'm a nerd, but I'm also from the streets. So I've been really tuned in on what's going on. And social equity in the Bay Area kind of feels like a reverse war on drugs. It's like they literally put us out with this license and kind of like dangled us in front of people like hey come take our license from us and help us um i also noticed a lot of us having the social equity license don't know the value of our license we undervalue it we think that um if someone loans us some money then that gives them rights to be owners of our business that's only the case if you allow that but no one should have any right to your business or any ownership just because they allow you to borrow money the bank doesn't do that so with that going on in California, with the overtaxation that I know we're gonna to get to, it's been difficult to run a business in California in the Bay Area. We're one of the Oakland is one of the highest tax places in the Bay Area when it comes to cannabis. Um, I think you leave overall my store paying 34 to 40 percent tax. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. some of that tax goes to the police. And then up until recently, I will definitely up until, recently, up until recently the police weren't protecting us they would tell us you know we'll come whenever we get there leave us for dead four or five hours so to have that that going on you know you're paying for protection you know you're paying all these ridiculous taxes can't get the hell it's just it's a lot it's like it's again it's a reverse war on drugs i'm basically been put in a position to set set up to fail and it's not mm-hmm. it's not cool it's not cool okay
2: yeah that's frustrating. So on on top of the social equity piece there that you've been describing mm-hmm. there's also federal challenges like yeah. the section 280E of the tax code which is crippling business owners in the cannabis space across the country and then inconsistent banking services which you know we're working on the safe banking act in congress but yes we are you know some companies have gone through dozens of banks, especially in the early years mm-hmm. of legal cannabis, it's getting a little better now. But you know, t- tell me more about your experience with with these <laughs> other these many many other challenges.
3: Oh uh, man, so banking paying a paying a bill as a cannabis owner, a cannabis any any part of the business, whether it's delivery or manufacturing, whatever, is hard. Um, if you get in the bank, you got to lie a hundred percent lie on your application. Um, so that can pose a problem um when you do have to pay bills you have to go to maybe four or five post office to pay a ten thousand dollar bill because you only can get money orders up to a certain amount at the post offices so you're spending most of your day running around with all this cash to go to a post office to get money orders to go pay a bill it's ridiculous um the 280e and all the tax codes where people don't understand everybody on the outside says hey let's get into growing and selling we'll make a bunch of money no you won't you won't because of the 280e and the tax codes we can't get any write-offs I pay, I have staff, I pay for staff, I collect SSI, all of that. We don't get no write-offs. There's no write-offs for plant touching. So to have all this overtaxation and not to be able to get anything in it written off as a business, we're a business at the end of the day, a business, but we're not treated as such. And then we can't bank because we're not federally legal. It's, It's, again, it's like a trap. It's like a trap it's 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 it's. i hate to use those kind of terms and you know kind of words because i really love being able to do what i'm doing but it's not being done correctly mm-hmm. that means not it's just not being done right
2: it certainly doesn't sound like we're being set up for success here um no. in fact it feels the opposite at times um that we are being set up for failure um so i mean getting into the cannabis space for those who have not yet for those who have not put their you know gotten their their hands dirty it is not a day at the beach to work in the cannabis industry would you agree (laughs) yes ma'am yes right so but you know it's not given all that given all of those challenges um which we continue to work on. Sometimes we make incremental progress. Sometimes it feels like we're dragging our feet. Um, I mean, I got to say we're in this for some reason. Um, So let's talk about maybe some of the inspiring and uplifting things that we can celebrate in our space. Like, for example, we don't have as many people behind bars in jail for a plant
3: now. That's great start right right Right. need more need more definitely need to release the 40,000 that's still in there you know Mm -hmm. what I mean but they're working on it um positive things again us being able to sit down I just goes off um got off a meeting last night with um some assembly members in New Jersey um I just did something with a red man's national cannabis party like there's us being able to sit down and talk to political leaders is helping and inspiring to me and uplifting because they're actually trying to listen.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But what, what a caveat to that is we have to vote the right people in at the local level. And a lot of that's being missed out and like skipped over. The reason why a lot of these cannabis laws are how they are is because the people that are making don't give a damn about cannabis because we didn't vote the people that had a them about cannabis into the offices mm-hmm. so what's inspiring and uplifting for me around that even is just being able to be in the room and be at the table to help craft these laws before they happen um and then for me personally i am working on so much other things i'm working on some hemp projects i'm working on uh, franchising um to other states i have my simply green flower brand that i'm working on so i try not to let the store stuff bogged me down because those are things I can't control. I can't control the taxes. I can't control the banking, but I could control me working on other projects. So that's what inspires and uplifts me is knowing that I can do other things besides you know, let them try to ram me into the ground with this, with this, with this, uh, retail license.
2: <laughs> wow. What a great point you made about the elected officials and the people, you know, even some of these positions aren't elected, they're just appointed, but mm-hmm. you have to have a seat at the table, even at the hyper-local level. Yes, um, you know, most, starts. most people only vote, for example, every four years when yes. there's a presidential election, but there are smaller elections late. that happen in between. And most people are like, eh, it's not a big deal. It's not like I'm voting for president. I don't need to vote. Yes, you do. And getting to know who these people are in these, you know, these at large people, these district people, those are the people that are sitting around making the decisions that are impacting your business. Is that right?
3: Yes. And what people don't get about that, I'm 42. So I still remember being in school, learning about checks and balances and how the government works. Who you vote in on the local level helps craft all the legislative stuff. By the time it gets to a president, the laws are already made. All they're doing is just Mm -hmm. signing it. People tend to forget that. I remember that you have to vote for the people on the local because they craft for the federal. So I know that was like off subject, but that really goes with everything. It really does.
2: Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, they're not going to be able to fix 280e or federal issues for you, right? But there's a lot of local, like you're balancing both local, county, state, city, and federal. So um, I just think that's a great point, and thank you for making it. And we probably need more cannabis people running to fill these seats as well. I agree. On that note, let's take our last commercial break here and then let's come back and wrap up our conversation with Tucky of Bluntson Moore. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
2: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, having a lively conversation here with Tucky Blunt of Blunts and More dispensary in Oakland, California. You know, I, I love the Bay Area um, and we were just there. NCIA was just there December, middle of December. We don't usually host trade shows in the middle of December, but it's been an odd couple years. We were glad to bring back our Cannabis Business Summit and Expo after taking a almost two-year hiatus. Um, so we were in San Francisco at the Moscone Center and hosted our seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. I believe you made it there, is that right? Did you attend? Yes,
3: I attended briefly. I had a couple of uh what's they called uh set appointments that i had to go to but i was there briefly and i went to all the after stuff so yes it was very very dope and thank you guys for having
2: me cool yes yeah we had we had some great um keynote speakers from the athletic world and um also uh troy datcher from the parent company which is co-owned by um mr beyonce mm-hmm. and um it it I had a wonderful time sitting in the podcast studio on the expo floor chatting with a ton of people um, and we'll be airing some of those interviews over the next few weeks and months here. Yeah. As we lead up to our next show, we're going to return to the summer schedule because it's wonderful to be in the Bay Area in the summer. We'll be back at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. July 20th, 21st, and 22nd for the eighth annual cannabis business summit and expo. So save the date, cannabisbusinesssummit.com. You will start to see more information. Uh, we're just saving the date right now, so stay tuned for more details. So I look forward to meeting you this yeah, summer. I want to speak.
3: I want to speak this year, hopefully. Hopefully they let me speak. <laughs> Great. Yes.
2: Yeah, so we we will be um, soliciting for NCIA members to apply to speak at our conference pretty soon. Here, cool. uh, we we have a application process here, so we uh, have all of our committees and a speaker committee review everything and vet everybody. So it's it's you're definitely going to get some good quality education if you've never attended an event before and you're a member through ncia's dei program is that right yes awesome how's that working for you what do you like about um this community of of uh social equity applicants being brought together i believe we have over a hundred, if not close to two hundred, social a- applicant members here at NCIA.
3: Man, so I have been trying to get involved for the last year or two, and finally was able to within the last six months, and it's been super dope. Um, I've linked up with Mike a few times, linked up with some people from the meetings a few times. A couple people knew who I was that I had never met before, so it's been definitely dope to network um, amongst the community. Uh, Because I come from the Prop 215 era, so I remember going into a club and it was about the compassion, it was about the donation, it was about the community vibe. Cannabis is a a community bringing to type plant, you know what I mean? So NCIA has been giving me that so far. So, so far, so good. I have no complaints. I'm looking forward to seeing where we can go and how I can help NCIA do what it needs to do um, within this community and how we can just all, you know, pour into and receive from each other. So I'm excited.
2: Absolutely. I think it's been an awesome opportunity uh, to focus on the DEI applicants in every state. And when we saw Massachusetts actually write those social equity provisions into their legalization adult use laws from the get go, that really set a precedent for future states as they approach legalizing for adults. And we're hitting that critical mass across the country. Um, so it's it's really encouraging to see how we're learning from past mistakes um, and taking the lessons and taking them with us. There's 50 states in this in this giant country, so each year at least a couple states um, approach legalization at this point, and um, so we're seeing improvements in how the laws are written right from the get-go which means including DEI uh, issues and provisions um, from the start so that's encouraging to see
3: yeah yes 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 I mean like like we just said earlier as long as we're there's no way to continue making laws for this space without including us in decision making like to, to to open up another state and to have these programs and to not involve the people that are actually frontline going through the stuff it, just, it makes no sense it, it, mm-hmm. but this is america but you know we're finally getting to the table so that we, it, you gotta i always say this we've come a long way mm-hmm. you know what i mean you're talking to a ex-felon for selling cannabis that owns a cannabis store so we've come a long way so yes. it's just now where do we go from here so
2: What a great story. And I really appreciate you coming on the show uh, to share that story with us. I think it could be very inspiring for for other black and brown people who feel like they've been left out of the legal industry. Um, And several years ago, it was a a lot of 36 year old white men, right? But Mm -hmm. now we're seeing, more women, more people of color, mm-hmm. and you know, our last couple of events have looked more like how the cannabis industry should look with its diversity. Uh, so it's it's inspiring to see the progress. So thanks right. for sticking in with us there as well. We we appreciate having you as part of the program.
3: Oh no, I'm persistent.
2: <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So where can people find out more about Blunts and More or reach you?
3: so until instagram shuts us down or for for the fifth time <laughs> our current page is a uh, blunts b-l-u-n-t-s dot a-n-d dot not dot but period excuse me period and not oh my gosh not spelt out period actual period the sign so mm-hmm. blunts dot and dot more i'm at tucky blunt until they block me for the 80th time um <laughs> twitter i'm blunt tucky and Moore is still on Twitter. Um, I'm on, uh, what's the thing called LinkedIn? Um, yep. Facebook is just for family. And um, we're all over the internet. You type in blessmore.com and it'll pop-up. If you type in Tucky Blunt, you can see all of my interviews. and We're going to add this one from the NCIA to it. I'm, this is going to be dope, but I'm trying to be everywhere so I can put the message out there. And everything is under Tucky Blunt. Just search and you'll find me.
2: Man, the social media struggle is real, right?
3: Oh, my goodness. Like, I got blocked the other day because i said uh i went on my i uh, went on cannabis cannabis now i think it's a magazine i went on there and told them check your email and your inbox blessed day i got banned for trying to sell cannabis
2: silly <laughs> silly <laughs> well um, hang in there and thank you so much yes, for joining us on the show today and thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of ncia's cannabis industry voice until next time